Attention audience. That's right. You know what time it is. End of the week. We love it. It is Eric. <gasps> it's Friday. Friday. Friday films. Da-da-da. That's right. Friday films. And that's we're back. Eric and Jordan. Uh, with Bonnie Review still going strong. It's not ending anytime soon. We're having too much fun with it. We really can't stop. Uh, we're at the we're at the halfway mark now, man. It's sad, but so true. I don't want it ever to end. Uh, we're back with Bond for your eyes only. Or in this case, for your ears only. That's true. Yeah, it depends on which movie you're watching or listening to, really. Um, this was a good one. I like this one. I feel like, uh, like you said last week, with the highs and lows of uh, Roger Moore's block, uh, I felt yeah. this was more of a high on this one. This was definitely a high, man. Roger Moore's got high highs and low lows, but this is definitely a high. And this is one, uh, you know, I mentioned it to you in the pre-show, but this this is one that actually surprised me. I mean, unlike you, a lot of these Bonds are new for you. I've, I've seen all of them. But this was one that I completely forgot about. Like, there were parts of it I remembered watching um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, like the whole ending sequence and whatnot, I remember, mm-hmm. and and Columbo, we'll get to him eventually. I remember all of that stuff. Uh, but it was one that when I started watching it, I was like, wow, I forgot. Like, I forgot a lot more of this movie than I remembered. So it was almost like I was rewatching it again for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was so good, man. It was so good. Now, this was definitely a first for me because I don't recall any of this movie when I was going through it. Um but it was a it was a good movie. I liked this one a lot better than the last one. Yeah. Um, like you said, it was definitely a high and um, less campy, uh, more more serious. Yeah, you know. Um, well, it, it kind of like it felt more like a uh, bond at its roots. You know, like it, it didn't go <clears throat> too heavy on more than one thing than another. Yeah. Um, it had a nice pace to it, uh, and it kind of hit on a lot of the bond features we look for. You know, spycraft mm-hmm. action. A little bit of romance. Um, no gadgets. Very mm. yeah, very minimal yeah, gadgets, very, yeah. if anything. And then uh, a lot of the story, you know, was was good structured. It was it kind of went on a good pace between different locations and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so all around, it was I thought a really good movie. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. But with that, you want to start us off, Eric? I know you got the uh, the background. Absolutely. Stuff. Um, for Your Eyes Only, released June 26th, 1981. So this is the first official 80s block of, of, of Bond films. Um, and I honestly think the 80s block is probably going to be, based on my, if memory serves, probably going to be the most diverse block of, of Bond movies we've mm-hmm. seen so far. Just because of like, the advancements and stuff that were were made in the 80s um yeah as I say, you definitely could tell um in the last like i mentioned this last week in the last couple of movies where the like you said technology's increased so this the style of movie the feel mm-hmm. of it has drastically changed just in the last like two or three yeah um some for the better going, some man. for the worse i'm not gonna exactly. lie but uh, for the most part it's pretty good um Runtime of two hours and seven minutes, so right in that sweet spot for Bond movies, pretty much the two-hour mark. Directed by John Glenn, who was a uh, secondary director on previous Bond movies and an editor editor on a couple of them. 
Um, but he'll actually go on to direct the next three or four, I believe. He he directs them all the way up through 1989. Um, I mean, that's pretty good because if, if he was already on the movies, he got a, a feel for how the movies went. So, that, I mean, that's always a good transition yeah, in, in movie yeah. making. It's a reoccurring theme, too, man. We've only had, like, three directors mm-hmm. um, for, for Bond movies, and they've all been, you know, they've all had, like, their... The Bond directors are almost like the Bonds themselves, where they'll do their block of three or four movies, yeah. and then it'll be handed off to somebody else, um, which is always, which is really interesting to see. Uh, starring yet again Sir Roger Moore, Carol Bouquet, and Julian Glover. Uh, Julian Glover, well known as the bad guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, also he had a part in Game of Thrones. I don't know who he plays. You guys will have to tell me in the comments. Yeah, I haven't seen all that yet. Uh, yeah, don't know who he plays because I've yet to watch past season three of Game of Thrones. Um, but a budget of $28 million. So $6 million less than, um, uh, Moonraker. But... Lot, a so lot less better. lasers in space. <laughs> so. Yeah, less money, but so much better. <clears throat> yeah, but even not that much less, man. It still doubles the budget of um, The Spy Who Loved Me. Well, that's true, I mean, too. this movie is still double of The Spy Who Loved Me. I guess the um, other thing to keep in mind, though, is as times are changing, the if you take the economy into play, too, I mean, granted, it's not going to be that drastic of a difference, but the fact that... Um, Movies nowadays are a lot higher, um, both money going out and in for yeah. movies in general. Well, I, I mean, say. so I mean, it's the just things like, you can the things you can do are more. So budgets being higher is a natural progression of filmmaking exactly, because yeah. visual effects are, are are become more advanced. They cost more money to do this stuff. Actors like Roger Moore, I guarantee you, he's, he was paid more for this movie than he was the past movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so things all like that, that. increases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only going to go up from here. And then once we get to the Daniel Craig's, Jesus Christ, I don't even look at what the budgets <laughs> for those are. Um, but um, anyway, yep, that's it. So I think we're ready to roll into it, sir. All right. So we kick off like normal with the classic gun intro. Although I could be wrong. This one seems a little bit more faster paced on the gun intro. I, I could be wrong. It just seems to be slightly different in some way. I don't think it was faster paced, but I think what you're picking up on is that it was in color this time, Jordan. Is that what it was? It was in color. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. I, I couldn't figure that out. Um, I thought it maybe but, had something to do with the audio. Like the song yeah, yeah. was like slightly different placed or something. Like I don't know. Just something seemed off to me. It could have been the color. It's possible. I didn't pick up on anything anything different on it. I mean, other than your traditional Roger Moore intros, but it was it was the normal for me. Um, but then it but, starts at a graveyard, which... I exactly. was interested in this. This when I first start watching this scene, I was like, "Wait, what?" Um, the fact that he, you know, you just see like some feet walking by some grave, you know, through a graveyard, and it stops on a, a Teresa Bond, you know, yep, the wife of James Bond. I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, what's going on here?" And a then throwback to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes, which is when not he the was first married time and promptly killed by Bluefield. Yeah, which is not the first time we've. heard heard or seen flashbacks from the sean connery block of movies um no, yeah. with roger moore playing this bond yeah so we I, had some in spy who it, loved me as well yeah so i thought this was very interesting and i was excited to see where they went off for this um i'm not gonna lie the next part up into the intro was not really anything special for me 
I thought it was kind of neat, but I just I would have been completely fine without it. Like I was so glad that once the opening title hit, the rest of the movie was better than I was expecting. Because when I f- yeah. first saw that intro, based off of the last movie I watched, I was not looking looking forward to this being a good movie. And I'll, I've got some trivia on that because the intro is very different than most other Bonds. The intro having nothing to do with what what goes on for the rest of the movie. Yeah, or um, or like mm. previous missions or anything. It was like its own yeah. small little throwback yeah. to the old movies, and then that was it. And yeah. that's and all we tri- ever hear of it. And there's trivia surrounding that, so we'll we'll get into get into that a little bit more during trivia time. Um, but from Bond putting flowers on his wife's grave, uh, a monk approaches him and, and tells him know that lets him know that a helicopter is coming to pick him up. A Universal Exports helicopter lands in the graveyard, picks Bond up, and we cut to Blowfield's cat. Mr. Bigglesworth, as I put it. The great white cat, if you will. He's back. I'm glad we found him. Yeah, that's right. In in Blowfield's lap. Um, It appears that Blowfield has a camera in Bond's helicopter. And he proceeds to flip a switch on his, his his little control panel and fries the pilot's brains using his <laughs> through his headset. I'm glad my headphones uh, don't do that. I uh, know, no joke. Which is, I mean, if I remember, that's a throwback to technology that was used in um, uh, Thunderball, I think, right? Or no, 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 no. Used in Live and Let Die. I think so because yeah, there yeah, was, was the they were in that like big room and someone like yeah, plugged in yeah. something else and like killed the, the guy through thing. like sound yep. yep so throwback to that um so fly, fries the helicopter pilot's brain and he remotely takes control of the helicopter um blowfield is watching from nearby roof rooftop while he's you know flying the helicopter weaving it in and out meanwhile talking to bond through the intercom system essentially you know egging him on mm-hmm. bond slowly works his way out of the helicopter and into the pilot seat throwing that poor pilot out i hope he was dead and not just unconscious well according to <clears throat> blowfield he was because blowfield does yes. make a comment about how he has no respect for the dead exactly um, now i will say though before he actually makes it into the pilot seat there was a really neat scene uh, because at this point the helicopter is kind of going around the uh flying around the rooftops where uh, so-called blowfield is sitting with the cat and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a really neat scene that I thought was a, a really cool camera angle and a good um, the way they did it, where it's kind of like looking over the back of Blowfield in the, the chair and the helicopter kind of like flies by. And I mean, Bond's still hanging on like the outside of the front um, where the pilot was yeah, at, yeah. like on the outside of the pilot's door. Like he made it out of his and like scooted mm-hmm. up. Yeah. The helicopter does like a quick 180 facing back to Blowfield and just kind of flies right above him. Like mm-hmm. that scene I thought was really cool. Like the way the helicopter just kind of like comes over his shoulder, does a 180 and flies back. And meanwhile, Bond's still hanging on the outside of it. Like it just was shot really cool at, a, at like a really neat angle. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. There were some really cool shots with this, with this helicopter sequence. Um, but Bond works his way to the pilot seat and reclaims control of the helicopter while it's flying through a, a broken down building or something. Yeah, it kind of like <clears throat> went through uh, like an open yeah. section and took a building that was kind of like hollowed yeah. out some. Um, so and he pulled Bo- the cables and got to control of it. Yep. So Bomb re- reclaims control of the helicopter and proceeds to use the helicopter's skis to pick Blowfield up from his wheelchair. Yes. On the on the neighboring rooftop, Blowfield's yelling back and forth to Bond, and Bond proceeds to drop him into a smokestack, presumably presumably killing him. And then we cut to the intro. Yeah. So 
relatively somber pre-intro filled with a little bit of action that was shot very very well mm-hmm. um but like you said this intro has nothing to do with no. with what happens in the re- remainder and i know the, the cat ran away yeah yeah the cat got away if anyone's wondering yes um yeah i was so, i was okay with this but like up to this point i'm like i don't feel like this is going to be a good movie this is how it's starting so i'm glad yeah. that that was kind of done out of the way like that was probably one of the least things i, I liked about the movie uh was just that little intro um, and I know you have trivia that I'm sure we'll clarify a little bit more on that mm-hmm. later on. But um, once we kick off with the title, like the song and the uh, the intro, from then on, I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The intro song, very 1980s feeling song. It mm-hmm. definitely feels like an 80s song. But a far more somber intro as well. A little bit more uh, somber song uh, for your eyes only. Um Interesting. This is the first time we actually see the singer's face during the intro. Yes, which I didn't realize a, was her at first. Yeah, there's a lot of water and silhouette effects. Um, my big note is, well, I love the song and I, I love the way the intro felt and the vibe it set up for the movie. I did not did not like seeing the singer's face because it kind of made it feel like a music video. Yep. Yeah, and now that you mentioned that, I, I think that too. Like my notes on the intro when it first started is like like it seemed like a solar song, which isn't really a bad thing for a Bond uh, song in an intro. But when I was watching this intro, listening to the song, to me it, it just felt more of a ending credit outro than did an intro. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it was anything wrong, like you said, it had the silhouettes in the water instead of like the smoke for the backgrounds. All all pretty cool tricks. Um, ones that we've seen through the other movies kind of like carrying mm-hmm. over and changing up a little bit. Uh, but all in all, like you said, it was a good song. I definitely liked it. It just, yeah. it screamed outro to me versus intro. <laughs> so I'm so glad we hear it again towards the end of the movie. Exactly. Um, from the intro sequence, we proceed to cut to a fishing boat. There's a blonde man smoking a cigarette outside. He puts out the cigarette and goes below deck, revealing that the boat is actually a spy vessel. The blonde man proceeds to take control of a command station, which he is handcuffed to. So this is something that's very important. Yes. A radar, a radar alert goes off, and we see a mine being pulled towards the boat via fishing nets. The mine explodes into the hull on impact. You know, explo- explodes into the hull of the boat, boat on impact. The blonde man cannot escape. The flooding waters are filling the boat. He attempts to pull a red lever before we cut away. Back in jolly old England, where the event is reported to the minister. Um, from here, we cut straight to the Russian general, who is also also seems to be aware of the event and wants to recover the device from the ship for himself. Russian the, M is on the and the motherland of Russia. Yeah, pretty sure that's the same actor that's been in the last three movies as well. Yeah, they play the Russian um, guy. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Um, he mentions having a contact in Greece. Um, from here, we cut straight to a woman arriving by float plane to a yacht. Her name happens to be Melina. Uh, Melina meets with her father and exchanges gifts. The float plane immediately turns back around, flies by, and opens fire on the deck of the ship, killing her father. A lot of cuts back and forth in this first portion. Yeah, it was. I yeah. do like the next cut, though. Um, if you yes. don't mind, like the the money penny walking through the office because we're now back in the um, back home 
I yeah. guess is the best way to play it. But this scene, the way they did this, where Money Penny like looks in the mirror and is sitting there putting her makeup on, and you see the coat rack kind of off to like her shoulder behind her, and you just see a hat come into scene and land on the hat rack. Like I'm like, that is awesome. I love that. And that's the first time that's happened since Sean Connery. Because remember, Roger that's Moore right. doesn't do hats. He doesn't. He, he's not the. He's not the hat bond. That's right. So he that hasn't hats. been done since Sean Connery. And then, you know, I didn't even think about that. I just loved how the scene was done, where the hat just comes from like out mm-hmm. onto the hat rack. That it never even dawned on me. He never wore the hat. He just kind of threw it on there for no reason. Yep. So he tosses his tosses his hat and gives Money Penny a flower before entering the office to meet with New M. I'm assuming this is New M. No, nope. he's never. No, nope. it's okay. No, because right, um. Money Never Penny, referred to as M. So. No, Money Penny mentions right before Bond walks in that M is on leave. Oh, that's right. I forgot about which that. Which okay. I know you probably have trivia on that later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, he died. We well, talked about that in the last movie. That's, that's right. We did talk about it last time. Um, so M is on leave, and it's the prime minister chief something. I can't remember. because prime, prime minister and friend. We'll go with that. Well, one's a chief, but at some point towards the end of the movie, there's another prime minister. So I don't know. Maybe they all switch yeah, just jobs minister. halfway through. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. British official B yeah. is what we'll refer to him as. Because that's why he ends up giving the flower to, to Money Penny because he had it yeah. for M and M wasn't there. Why he had a flower mm-hmm. for M, I don't know. Uh, but they proceed to catch Bond up on the missing ATAC device, which stands for Automatic Targeting Attack Communication. Bond is given a file with the name of the movie on it. I made a special note of that, which I thought was kind of cute. I missed um, that. Oh, yeah. Kind of a throwback to the, you know, From Russia with Love written on the picture thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I remember um, the title of this movie is used at a different point in the movie. And that's what mm-hmm. I noted. At the very end. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he is sent to Madrid to investigate. We cut to the new Bond car, yet another Lotus, following another mm-hmm. car through the Spanish hills while a camera seems to be tracking them. Uh, Bond pulls away and investigate, pulls off the side of the road and investigates a really sexy pool party going on. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty intense pool party. Yep. And he is tracking a man with a briefcase full of money. Um, while he's tracking the man, however, guards come up from behind Bond and disarm him. He's taken to <clears throat> the, the the leader of the party, which happens to be the same man that was flying the plane. Uh, Gonzalez. Gonzalez that shot Molina's father dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Who Gonzalez was a immediately hired gives hitman. the. Yes, Gonzalez immediately gives the order to take Bond away, um, and the leader and, and Gonzalez dives into the pool. But as he dives, he's shot in the back with a with an arrow or a bolt from a crossbow. Bond uses this as his chance to escape Mary Poppins style by jumping over the fence with an umbrella and slowly <laughs> yeah, floating down a six foot fall. <laughs> um, I, I thought the same thing when he opened the umbrella. Like, really, that umbrella really help you that that distance. <laughs> All while the man with the briefcase seems completely unconcerned with this. Guards are in pursuit. With with the guards in pursuit, Bond is suddenly rescued by Melina herself, mm-hmm. who happened to be the one with the crossbow who shot Gonzalez and is for some reason dressed like a beekeeper on safari. <laughs> it's her camouflage. <laughs> They run away, and the guards attempt to break into Bond's car, and it explodes. That I, I love shortest-lived Bond vehicle in history. <laughs> I love that, though, because did you notice the sticker on the window? Uh, yeah, it says, I don't remember what it, it says. It was a burglar protected. And, like, the guy, like, smashes the window with the sticker, and then it blows up. That's right. That's right. I'm like, it tells you right on the window. <laughs> like, how clear could you be? 
So change of plans due to Bond's car exploding. They have to escape via Melina's tiny little yellow car. Which I think was uh, like bon- some version of a Beetle or something. I don't no, know. No, it's it was. Fiat oh. or some, it's some European brand. I, I, I can't remember. I think it's a Citroen, actually. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Melina's little yellow car, which Bond makes a fun quip about. And ladies and gentlemen, it is car chase time. Car chase number one. Car chase number one. The yellow, little yellow Citroens running away, going through in and out the streets of the town while being chased by cars. At some point, they <laughs> hit a hit a lip and flip the car upside down. I, I love how they all get out and just pick it back up. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and a bus blocks the pursuing cars from from behind them. During this time, they hop out of the car and Bond and several other uh, other villagers flip the car back over because those things weigh like 200 pounds. You can flip them like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bond takes control of the wheel. Um, they're winding back and through back and forth through the Spanish hills. Hills, a pretty awesome road chase, actually. Yeah, I thought I actually enjoyed this whole scene. I thought it was mm-hmm. really clever. It is. While winding back and forth on the hills. One of the henchmen, one of the follow cars pulls up beside Bond and casually glances over to him. Ladies and gentlemen, can you make, I'll give you three guesses, the first two don't count, on who this henchman is. <laughs> I'll wait. No, it's not Phil P. Henchman. Woodstick? No, no, it's not, it's not. Whatever be would stick. <laughs> kendo, Judo, master. Kendo, kendo master. Kendo master. Kendo P. Woodstick. Yeah, Kendo master Philip P. Woodstick. No, it's not him. It is Frank. It is Frank himself, ladies Frank. and gentlemen. If you remember from the last movie, Frank rejoined the group of henchmen. He's back in the business. He's done retired. He's fed up with Bond and all of his bullshit. Last time, he was locked in a storage closet in the middle of a space facility and lost his chance to leave the planet and leave Bond behind forever. So he's pissed. He's mad. So once he hears that Bond is roaming around the countryside of Greece, causing all sorts of mayhem, Frank takes his chance. He jumps on it, jumps on his opportunity, hops in the henchman vehicle alongside his buddy Billy and Billy and Paul, Billy and Paul? Billy and Paul. Billy and Paul. Longtime friends, but, you know, in the Hitchman game, you work for so many different people. He hasn't really worked with Billy and Paul um, since Dr. No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, if you remember, Paul was Bubble Boy. Um, oh. That's right. Makes that's right. Makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah. Billy was just some other guy. I haven't made up his story yet. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank sees this as, up, up, as his opportunity, being an expert vehicle driver of all sorts, Skis, boats, vehicle, cars, three-wheeled bikes from Diamonds Are Forever. Well, he wasn't very good at those. He crashed for absolutely no reason, but we won't go into that. <laughs> he was having a rough time then, okay? Isn't that when Frank, his, his wife and kids His left wife him and something? kids were leaving him. All sorts of bad stuff was happening. But Frank sees this as, a, as his opportunity. He chases down Bond. He pulls up next to him. He is ready to unleash hell upon this man that has caused him so much trouble. He looks to his left and he sees Bond. And what does that smug bastard do? Bond just looks back at Frank and just nods. Just casually nods at him. Like they're old pals. <laughs> this infuriates Frank to the point that Frank takes a hard left and pit maneuvers Bond's tiny little yellow citron off the hill, flipping him down and down and down. 
to the next area of the winding road. Well, sadly, Bond recovers. Most unfortunately, Bond recovers. The villain of this whole story survived and proceeds to be driving on the road in the completely opposite direction. So Frank makes his turn. He makes his turn. He sees Bond coming head on. He tries to get this chance. He's like, you know what? If I've got to die, I'm going to take this bastard with me. So he's going, he's going. Bond, also sadly and most unfortunately, being an expert driver himself, dodges in between Frank's car and bumps the secondary pursuer car driven by... Jeff? Jeff. Wasn't it Jeff? <laughs> Pretty sure it was Jeff. Driven by Jeff, which knocks into Frank's car, throwing him off the hill. And him, Paul, and Billy tumble and tumble and tumble for far too long (laughs) before landing upside down in the rocks below showing that they survive however because they were very upset about this event this ladies and gentlemen was the closest we've ever had to to frank actually beating bond getting his revenge and now ignore the fact that i've seen these movies before and and i know how they end um but i like to think this series will end with frank getting his revenge you know the lead up to bond 25 in bond 25 i'm pretty sure bond's gonna die via frank's hands i think that's gonna happen (laughs) bold claims (laughs) that is bold sir that's very bold If not, if Bond, or if Frank never actually exacts his vengeance on Bond, Frank will go out in an epic blaze of glory, I'm sure. <laughs> he will and have his end story. He will have his end story. But for now, that is the story of Frank P. Hinchman III. Once arrested, once divorced, twice removed by his sister-in-law. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> This is the best Frank story yet, because it actually ties into the movie more. You only had to make up half of it as you went. I'm trying to build lore. <laughs> yes, yes, for Frank's biography, which will come out at the end of uh, after 25. Oh. Um, but that wasn't but the after... only car that went. Didn't the uh, second car, something happened to that one too? Because yes, chase yeah, Bond, Bond a little bit more. Yeah, t- chase Bond for a little bit longer, and then Bond finally takes out the last car and makes his escape. From here, we cut to a hotel room where Bond is having a conversation with Melina and encourages encourages her to leave her, to leave the country, but she admits her revenge is not complete. Yep. She took out the man that killed her father, but not the man that gave the order. So this is partly a revenge tale as well. Yep, because she wanted to know who was the guy that was paying Gonzalez at the pool party. Because we kind of skipped over that, but there was a guy that was there paying. Briefcase man. I mentioned briefcase man. Oh, you did say briefcase man. Okay. Yes. I forgot Uh, because I actually had a briefcase in. I know. (laughs) We don't linger on this scene too long because from here we cut to Bond meeting with British official B and the minister again. I just said Um, secretary. Yeah. Filling them in on the man with the briefcase. He then proceeds to go with Q to help Q who, who offers to help him identify the man. Hey, that means this is Q gadget time, right? 
real quick before you start Q gadget time, um, I know that they were kind of getting on bond during this little chat with the secretary or whoever he was, the M's filling at the time, um, about the mission failure and this and that. And bomb was like, look, there was someone else there, you know, someone paid for this. There's still a chance we can survive this mission. Cause they were going to end the mission right there. Bond's like, yeah. no, no, we got a chance. Uh, you know, there was a guy there. We can figure out who he is and, you know, find, you know, get back on track. And they're like, Oh, well then you should go and talk to Q about the, uh, identograph. He's like, yes, you're right. I should do that. Then he goes and meets Q. Yes. Q gadget time. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of, uh, of, of Q-Time with Jordan and Eric. Um, today, on today's episode of Q-Time, we have a beautiful, beautiful plethora of gadgets for your viewing and purchasing pleasure today. One of them being my personal favorite. The two biggest sellers of this Q-Gadget Time happen to be what I have deemed the fake punching cast. You got that, you got that, you got that coworker at work who's just constantly annoying you. You know what you do? You know what gets people closer to you than ever before? Sympathy. The fake punching cast is perfect for that. You just pop your arm <laughs> under your coat. You attach the fake punching cast to your, to your arm. And when they walk up close, you go, oh, what happened? What happened, Bob? I'm so sorry that you hurt your arm. Right as they walk by you, you ignite the, you, or you, you initiate the fake punching cast and it literally slaps around and beats, the, knocks their head off. You, you know the best part about that is? How common is it for people to go and sign someone's cast? Absolutely. Absolutely. Combine that with an exploding pin that I'm sure we'll get in one of the future bonds, and there you go. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to sign my cast? Before That's you right. click the button, whoosh. You got the boom boom and the punch punch all in one go. There we go. <laughs> The next item, ladies and gentlemen, up for purchase today, which is my personal favorite, is what I have deemed the Venus flytrap umbrella. <laughs> Stinging in the rain. Now, Jordan, you may ask what the Venus flytrap umbrella is. Well, ladies I and gentlemen. I am curious now that you mention it. On first appearance, it just seems like your ordinary, average, everyday, black, black men's style umbrella. You've got that enemy that you just, you just hate at work. It's raining outside. And, of course... That there's always one dumbass in your office that doesn't bring the right stuff, the right weather gear. He wants to borrow your coat. He wants to borrow your hat. He wants to borrow your umbrella because it's raining outside and he wants to go get lunch for the office, which he's expecting everyone else to pay for, even though he offered, you know, everyone, has, everyone knows that guy. But there's always that. The point of the matter is there's always that guy. So you loan this guy your umbrella. You let them walk outside. You let them pop it. You know, everyone pops it open before they actually get in the rain so they can put it over their head and just run to their car real quickly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Venus flytrap umbrella, I neglected to mention, is activated by water. So what do you <laughs> think happens? Don't get wet. That's right. The only umbrella in the world you don't want to get wet. Or feed it after midnight. So what do you think happened exactly? So what do you think happens when old Jeff, Phil, Bob, whatever your asshole co-worker's name might be, Walks out into the pouring rain using your Venus flytrap umbrella. Well, ladies and gentlemen, spikes extend from the tips of the umbrella and it snaps down on his head and torso, killing him instantly. And that's the Venus flytrap umbrella. That's my personal favorite because I kind of get a thing for umbrellas. Much like the <laughs> penguin and Batman. Yeah, that was a good umbrella. Gadgets. 
This gadget's a good umbrella. That was a good umbrella, too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for, for these two gadgets, we're offering a, a, a one and only time offer for your ears only. <laughs> for, <laughs> I laughed at my own pun. <laughs> I mean, I heard you, and I was like, no, no, I can't make him laugh. He's got to finish his speech here. Uh, trust me, I'll make myself laugh. For, for your ears only, today only, you can get the Venus Fly Tripe umbrella for the low, low price of five easy payments of nineteen ninety nine. Now, if you do the math, that's only 100 bucks plus shipping and handling, which is like 890 but just ignore that. What about the other one, Eric? <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, um, the fake the fake punching cast is in fact sold out. Um, we will be restocking it on the online store soon. Um, it's actually going to come in different colors this time. You know how when you go to the doctor's office, oh, you get the, the yeah. white cast, you get the orange. You kind of choose your color. So Add we sold the standard style. white one out. So we're waiting to restock and 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 uh, advancing our color palette to give you more options okay. uh, with with which to murder your coworkers. And or friends with the punching cast. Okay. So, um, but when it does restock, <clears throat> the fake punching cast will retail for one ninety nine ninety nine. Nice. Not too bad. Now, I do know bad. that our identograph is still uh, a prototype, so that is not for sale. That is not um, for sale. But as far as a brief summary goes, we'll just let everyone know that this is a very, very high-tech, super enhanced digital sketch artist basically what it is it does the exact same job the man at the police station does <laughs> yes that's exactly what it does <laughs> but it's more expensive yes it's a computer the size of a room that will draw a picture of a man like a man can already do yes yes it's it's, it's as useful <laughs> as the machine that goes ping indeed and that is gadget <laughs> so that being said, Bond then jumps with Q to the identograph. Oh yeah, the the new car was also there in the background because Bond makes a couple of puns on that. It's too. another it's another Lotus. Yeah, which I it's, think he ends up just yeah. driving later on in the movie anyway. Yeah, it's nothing major. Um, but Q and Bond sit there and they go through this machine. I what seems like hours because it's like super late when they're still there trying to figure it out. Um, and they identify this man as Emile Locke. That's right. I forgot. I didn't put that in my notes. The only thing I put was that um, I, I, was, I think his Italians were the last ones to spot him. And in Cortina, I think it was the only yes. thing I put on my notes. Because so, I, I know if you like paused it at the right moment, everything is on the screen that they say. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, cool. There's there's his name. He mm -hmm. was in Cortina. He has a rap sheet for all the stuff that I don't care about right now. <laughs> I was like, Cortina. That's what I'm putting because that's our next location. <laughs> that's right. So Bond goes to Cortina, Italy to track him down. He arrives at a ski resort in his bitchin' new orange lotus, proceeds to take a shower, and sees the me a meeting loca location in his on, on his mirror, in the fog on his mirror. You know how like you write love notes to your yes. significant other in the mirror? Uh, another that one of, of my uh, little spycrafts I thought was really cool that they yeah. threw back into this movie. You start seeing some of the old spycraft, mm -hmm. and that's what I love about the Bond movies, is that he is a spy. So when they throw the little spycraft in there, that's not gadget-oriented or you yeah. know action-packed oriented, but look, the little things like that, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bond proceeds to go meet with a gentleman by the name of Luigi 
Yes, he is, in fact, Mario's younger brother. Um, I kept looking for Mario the whole time. I know, I know. Who'd, who'd expect a Nintendo cameo in a Bond movie? Mm-hmm. Um, but he meets with Luigi on an overlook, who proceeds to set up a meeting with a gentleman named Christostas. Who I will mistakenly call Christo or Kristoff throughout this whole uh, review, just for the record. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, Locke is watching them from an audience away. Bond proceeds to meet up with Christos' daughter, Bibi, um, who is a skier, uh, apparently in a, like a, or a, excuse me, not a skier, a ice skater. Figure skater, yep. Figure skater of like Olympic calendar, apparently has a coach and all this and that. And yeah. Christos is apparently her, her sponsor. Yep. Um, so, sorry, Bibi's not. Christosus's daughter. No, just, no, I, I think he yeah. was just like a sponsor type deal. Yeah, I misspoke. Sorry about that. Um, through the meeting with Christosus, Christosus reveals that he knows Locke, but they hate each other. They've got a, they've got a rough history working against each other. A little bit of conversation back and forth, and we get the, we get the vibe that Christosus is, you know, this is Bond's go-to guy. This is his contact. Uh, so after mm-hmm. leaving the meeting, Bond spots Melina walking through town. Who, she's buying another crossbow. Yep. She's here for a mission. She knows what she's so, doing. <laughs> real quick, during that meeting, it's I don't think it's Christos and Locke who hate each other. It's Christosos finds or tells Bond that Locke works for Columbo, and Columbo and Christosos hate each other. They used to be partners um, at one point in time. Ah, okay, maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they have he, another conversation just like that later on. In the yeah, movie. they do a little bit more, but that's when you find out that uh, Locke actually works for Columbo. Um, and then I think something's mentioned about the dove too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The dove is the emblem of them. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's what it was. So yeah. Like yeah. Chris also tells about all of that to bond. And that's when he finds out about Locke and Columbo and dove and yeah. all that. Um, so bond spots Melina buying another crossbow <clears throat> upon leaving the store. She proceeds to be attacked by motorcycle goons attempting to kill her. But bond intervenes and takes out the motorcycle goons. Um, apparently, Melina, Melina received a letter from, quote-unquote, Bond, which mm-hmm. Bond never sent, asking her to come there um, you know, come there and be ready to kill, essentially. Um, so, from here, they have a nice little romantic, romantic sleigh ride through the Italian mountain countryside, where Bond con- convinces Melina to back off on the revenge quest and wait for him to find out more. Love music proceeds to play through the ride, mm-hmm. and even the driver mentions love. He says whatever Italian for love is. I don't. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> through the countryside on a sleigh, so this seems to be. You know, they're falling for each other. They're, they're. It's a thing's happening. Love is in the air, everywhere you look around. Um, from here, Bond returns to his hotel, where he finds BB waiting for him. She took a shower, and she. Goes right into his bed, drops the ro- drops the towel, and mm-hmm. she wants the D. She wants the Bond D hard. She's a huge crush on him from Absolutely. like the minute she sees him and starts giggling and smiling at him. Hundred percent. Bond turns her turns her down despite her aggressive tactics. Mm-hmm. Very very seems very very young. So props to Bond for not diddling the kids. You know, if if you will. Uh, Locke proceeds to watch Bond and BB. Why am I mispronouncing BB? Locke watches Bond and BB ski, and they meet with a gentleman by the name of Eric. 
what was his last name? I don't remember. I, to be honest, I don't remember. I know that was, um, I guess, like their, I don't want to call it like a survival race, but like one of those, uh, it was one of those like races where they ski down the mountains and they stop and do like the different obstacle yeah, courses and all. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like you, it's like cross-country skiing combined with shooting combined. There's yeah. like three events involved in it. Um, um, but apparently he's the German champion from East Germany. Yeah, and I missed Which, his name and all because I I didn't think we'd um, stay on his character too much. So I didn't really pay attention to neither did I. D- jot notes but, and stuff down because I, I think BB even mentioned something to Bon about him being uh, her boyfriend or so, something yeah, yeah. like that. Um, but he so seems BB's to boy ignore crazy her the whole apparently. time. Oh, absolutely ignores her. Ignores her. So Eric is what I will refer to him as because I don't remember his last name, and Eric's easy to remember. Remember, considering that's my own name. Yeah, I didn't even give him a name, and <laughs> I don't think I ever did. Um, I just kept calling him a uh, race guy or something. I don't yeah. remember. But Bond and BB from here part ways, and we have a moment where Eric, the German East German ski champion, attempts to shoot Bond. We find out while him and while Bond and BB are talking about him earlier on that he's a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he attempts to shoot Bond. He can't because Bond's better. Bond gets away, and we seem to have a ski chase on our hands later, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Another there one. are those motorcycle goons from earlier are back on Bond. Bond proceeds to escape the goons. Is this before or after the? So it's a couple because like there was a two part chase. Oh no, in no, no. This. yes. All right, cool. Um, I got it. I got it. I caught up on my notes. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say, I know when because um, Bond loses his gun when the uh, Eric stops to shoot at him. And gets him uh, caught behind the tree, and then he kind of gets back on track and goes down a little bit farther. Um, and I think that's yeah. when the bikes try and chase after him. Yeah. Well, Bond escapes the escapes the motorcycle goons by jumping over them and yep. continuing down the mountain to the to the area. And I think uh, he... Bond escapes the goons, and Eric and the goons proceed to report back to Locke while Bond hides out in a crowd of people going up towards the 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 high ski jump. Yes. Yep. Locke notices Bond and proceeds to following, follow him into a crowded elevator. At the top of the ski jump, Bond is surrounded with Locke behind him and Eric and the motorcycle goods waiting at the bottom of the ramp. Mm-hmm. And another Bond, little guy comes off to the side. Yep, comes off to the side. Bond proceeds to lock himself into his skis and go down into the ski jump where another goon comes out of the left on skis and kind of bumps into him. Uh, but that's not enough to deter Bond. Bond makes the jump jumping the other goon is blocking eric's shot so he can't kill bond and bond jumps over jumps over eric knocking him and the the other motorcyclist down and the ski chase continues Mm -hmm. um with eric on one bike and the other goon on the other bike they're going back and forth they're chasing bond in and out of the trees down the mountain the bikes have spikes on them for those wondering why we're doing this in snow just because bikes look cool in snow apparently um, but Bond proceeds to take out one bike using his ski as a uh, clothesline, mm-hmm. knocking out the one goon. <clears throat> Eric, excuse me, Eric continues to chase Bond until they end up following each other on a bobsled track, where the bobsled people in the front are thoroughly confused why there's a man <laughs> skiing on the bobsled track and a motorcycle behind him. I but, would be too. Yeah, but we won't linger on that long. Because at the end of the box said track, Eric and Bond wipe out after crashing through a bond. Through a bond? Through a barn. <laughs> bond. 
goes over the other guy crashes through the barn that's right um, um both but bond does though. wipe out though yeah they both they both fall uh bond does escape though as eric is unable to unable to get back on his bike but proceeds to hulk throw it so we discover this man <laughs> is super strong also i'm pretty sure that bike was as light as the car was from the beginning of the movie i know but either way it was impressive <laughs> yeah i was like what is this guy doing it's like yeah. jaw strength right there yeah he has another feat of strength at the end of the movie so i think it's implied that he is strong yeah. um but from here bond arrives at Bebe's practice um, they have a little conversation back away, back and forth. He leaves Luigi in the car at the time. Bond asks BB about Eric. Um, I don't remember what she says. I don't think this. She it, says something it, about this him is where being she reveals jealous. he's East German and like yeah. something like that. And, and she and, talks and, about yeah. Bond being jealous or something. But the practice is exactly. over, so she's got to go. So she yep. leaves, and Bond's um, starting to turn to walk off the ice as three hockey players bring out some stuff to the ice because they have the mm-hmm. ice ring next. Yep, and the three hockey goons proceed to attack Bond. He takes them out swiftly, throwing them into the goal with the buzzer going off every time they went in. Which I, I have three points. Yeah, that's I got right. He got the hat trick. Yep. Briefly using a Zamboni to take out the last one, he returns to his car to find Luigi dead in the passenger seat and mm. gripping the dove pin that he spotted on Locke's jacket earlier, and that was mentioned by Christostos earlier at their meeting. From here, Bond meets up with Melina, and they have a romantic walk through the town. Um, not much to do here, just just building story of them them falling for each other even more. Small talk about different things, trying mm-hmm. to find out if, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is around the time where he's trying to find out if her dad had any more notes or something from yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from something the boat like that. and all that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to get more, basically gather more information. Yeah. But I think the more the more the point of the scene of going is more of a romantic thing. Yeah, because yeah. they don't really get into too much. But in the very beginning, um, when she gets on the boat and her parents are murdered, from there on out, it's kind of like put a little bit here, a little bit there. But you find out mm-hmm. that her dad was actually trying to work with um, the english government to uh, or british government sorry the british government to track down the sunken ship and that's why he was out there to begin with yep um so they kind of piece that together because i think bond kind of hints towards little things until he uh, eventually tells her everything towards the end i think but a lot of the little things are hidden on so i know he keeps asking her about like where they were or where the journals were at you know trying to find out more information yeah yep um, so after our little romantic stroll through town, Bond goes to a casino, casino and meets again with Christostos. They have dinner, and he is given a tip about Columbo, the Greek smuggler, who happens to be at the table near him because he owns the casino, and he's with his mistress, Countess. I forget her name, but Countess is what she'll be referred to as. Yeah, um, I forget. Um, that sounds right, because I, I, he, he calls her at some point in time, but... I thought he said Candace, but maybe it was Countess. Yeah, I don't it's, it's, it's definitely Countess. I just don't remember Countess what. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch her last name. Um, but Columbia, at some point during dinner, not Columbio, Columbo leaves and a, leaves to take a call or whatever, and a waiter comes up to Bond's table and replaces the candle. It's brought. It's then brought to Columbo, and it just so happens to be a tape recorder. Columbo listens to their conversation about potentially killing him because don't think he'll stop. Columbo proceeds to return to the table, whispering something to his mistress, and seems to be starting a fight. She leaves, walking by Bond, and Bond proceeds to follow her and offer to give her a ride home. Now, I love 
this scene for the simple fact that it's a Spycraft 101. Mm-hmm. You know, tape recorders hidden in uh, candlelight dinners, and then um, <clears throat> you come to find a little bit more that the, there's more to it, but of why she leaves. But I just, all around, this is like Spycraft 101. You don't need, I mean, yes, there's a tape recorder in the candle, but you don't need like high tech, you know, watch gadgets or anything. You just hide a tape recorder, let it go, listen. Um, it gets better when we get to the twist, too. Yes, yes. When we get to the twist, yeah. it's even better. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I love the spy craft that's uh, kind of gradually put throughout this movie mm-hmm. in, in just the right amount that it needs to be. So once they once Bond gives her a ride home, they have a brief conversation about Columbo and, and some, you know, Bond gathers some information and then they proceed to make glorious beachside implied whoopee. Mm hmm. Um, the next morning, they are casually walking down the beach when Locke and his goons attack via dune buggy. Um, couple back and forth goes on and Locke runs over the mistress and Bond is captured. But wait, divers come from come out of the water wearing the dove emblem on their on their diving suits, taking out one of Locke's goons, but and uh, taking out one of Locke's goons and Locke drives away. Bond runs over to the to the countess's body and says something. Looks up at the at the 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 divers and is knocked unconscious. Yep. From here, Bond is brought to Colombo. They have a brief conversation back and forth where Colombo claims Christostos is actually the bad guy. Locke works for him, not the other way another not the other way around. Colombo seems very much on the up and up and up. So him and Bond share a drink after he returns Bond's gun to him as a sy- symbol of of of, of trust. Mm-hmm. And they hatch a plan to 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 go to Locke's or warehouse. go to Christostos's warehouse and do something. I'm not sure what the point of the next scene is, but it's action packed. Um, <laughs> I think it was just kind of proof. Like I think Columbo wanted to take out his warehouse and like his supply or whatever, but it was also a form of proof to Bond that that there that Columbo, Columbo was the good guy. yeah, yeah was trying to tell the truth. Up. Because that's yeah. one of the things he says. He's like, I can prove it to you tomorrow when we get to this warehouse or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, then I will, you know, believe you or not tomorrow when we get to the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they share the drink. They arrive at the dock at night where they board and take control of Locke's boat. Bond punches a man off the boat who casually walked out of the door um, for no reason. Uh, <laughs> They proceed to chase Locke into the warehouse off the dock where he seems to be activating a mine. Columbo's men are ordered to retreat as the warehouse explodes and Locke escapes via car. But wait! Bond proceeds to run up a really, really, <laughs> really, really long staircase and manage uh. to, manages to cut off Locke in the car. Shooting him and forcing his car to crash. It comes to, comes to a stop teetering on the edge of the cliff. Cliff. Bond proceeds to walk up, says some comment to him. Don't remember what it is. Yeah, throws, the, cr- throws the dove pin in with him and Sparta kicks the car off the edge of the cliff, sending it crashing into the rocks below, killing Locke. One henchman down. <laughs> From here, he we cut to sport. yet another cute diving sequence where Bond reunites with Melina. A love song plays as she leaves bond, leads Bond underwater the, uh, through the underwater ruins. She leaves uh, uh, her scuba tank down at the bottom for some reason. We'll get to later. 
and they and Bond follows her up to the surface. Bond catches her up on the on the events of the previous couple days and Christostos actually being the bad guy. Uh, they proceed to use her father's research to track down the location of the wrecked ship, and it's mentioned that her father's parrot repeats everything that it hears. Mm-hmm. From here, they take the sub and arrive at the vessel. They suit up in diving spoots, while, diving spoots suits, while Christasos and Eric on a boat above them pick up their location. Yep. They enter the wreckage, and Bomb bumps his head. I found hilarious. Don't know if you noticed that when he when he walks into the wreckage of the ship, there's an audible thunk of him bumping <laughs> no, his head, and that. you see his head like like dip down. <laughs> I lost it. I had to pause it and rewind it to make sure I didn't imagine it. No, funniest I, th- I, I funniest thing since the cat losing his goddamn mind <laughs> in Live and Let Die. I did notice that Bruce the shark came in for a visit. Absolutely, that was, that was the only thing I put in my notes in that scene. Absolutely. Bruce the shark comes in for a few minutes. Um, They find the ATAC and disable it and remove the control panel for it. Suddenly, for those of you listening that play video games, a big daddy from Bioshock shows up and cuts Melina's Melina's air supply and takes the control panel. Uh, Bond activates the ATAC self-destruct that they disabled before removing the control panel and attaches it to the big daddy. Uh, Bond is man- manages to to fight back the control panel from the Big Daddy and escapes just as it explodes. Bond and Melina make it back to the sub, but wait! Yet another sub approaches and attacks them, causing serious damage to Bond to Bond sub. But mm, Bond Neptune. sub is that's right. But Bond sub is able to overpower it and shoves it into the wreckage of the ship, and they escape and return to the surface. Now, if I'm not mistaken, though, once they get back to the surface and they, you know, get the sub up and they're getting out of the sub, you know, the crew is helping them out and all, they come to find out it's not their crew. It is not. Their, their ship has been taken over by Christosos and Eric, who has a massive bulge in his swim trunks. <laughs> Don't know if you noticed that, but dude was filming a scene with a boner. Not going to lie. Was not paying attention to that. <laughs> How could you not? It was it was like it was like watching a 3D movie the thing was poking off screen so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah not paying attention to that <laughs> from here they take the eight. Christostos and Eric with his massive boner take the attack and orchestrate a drop off for the Russians uh. while in the room with said parrot Bond and Melina are tied together and drug underwater behind Christostos and Eric's boat Bond cuts himself on a on coral and begins to bleed, attracting sharks. Mm-hmm. Bond uses a coral reef to snap the tow line, freeing himself and Melina. Pretty cool scene of him wrapping the tow line around the coral reef. Yep. And yeah. kind of holding it in place while the boat was tugging against it. Yeah, that, that whole scene that. I thought was really neat because it was neat because when the boat went, they'd kind of like turn around. So they had, you know, play in the rope and there was enough for Bond to swim down, cut his uh, ropes tie yeah. and, you know, Bond and his hands together. And then the second time, he had enough time, like you said, wrap the whole rope around one of the giant mm-hmm. corals in the ground um, until the rope just snapped. And the weighted buoy thing, whatever that they were dragging, the Bond was kind of yeah. hooked to, just went flying <laughs> through the boat and knocking one of the other guys off into the yeah. water. And the guy was <laughs> eaten by a shark, too. Eaten by the shark, too. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Water. I forgot yeah. because yeah. the sharks were following Bond's blood, but Bond kept being dragged back and forth. And that guy was stationary. <laughs> That guy was the easier target. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and once like they use that for their escape too, don't they? 
Yep, yep. Because um, once they are freed, they dive underwater and recover the scuba tank that Melina had left behind. There we go. So they share air. Um, yeah, I thought that was while they're clever. Yep. While, while they're hanging out underwater, Christostos, um, above, gives up the search really easily, claiming the sharks will have them. Gave up way <laughs> too early. Yeah. He was like, yo, they escaped? Eh, they'll be fine. Yeah. Leaving the boat there for them to escape on. So a little bit of a bad, bad guy idea, but it is a Bond movie, so all is forgiven. And he doesn't care. Where he's going next, Bond will never find him. That's right. Bond and Melina resurface to their ship, and while figuring out what their next move will be, the parrot repeats the location of the drop-off for the ATAC. <laughs> Which, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I didn't pay attention to the fact that the guys were in with the parrot when they were talking about the drop-off location. So I'm like, well, how did the parrot know the, <laughs> where they go? Like, I, I, I heard the parrot talking, and then just kind of, like, Bond and Melina just look at the parrot like, hmm. But I didn't catch how the parrot knew, so I like I missed that. Jordan's part. like, that's a really smart parrot. I know. I was like, I know the parrot repeats all kinds of stuff, but how does the parrot know where to go next? So I'm just like, all right, they're following a parrot's lead to go wherever they're going. That's right. We're we're literally winging it. <laughs> yeah, clever, clever. I like that. One. Um, from here, Bond goes to a church where he meets Q disguised as a priest. They seem to not be able to determine the exact drop-off location, but it's okay, because Bond mentions he has a contact for that. Cut to Columbo and friends, disguised mm. as monks, walking up on it, walking up a cliffside. It's Columbo, it's Bond, it's Molina, and it's their fellow buddies, Timmy and Tommy. Timmy and Tommy? That's right. The Wonder Twins, if you will, Timmy the and Wonder Tommy. Twins. You know there was more, right? Timmy, Tommy, Tito... And Frank, Francis, excuse me. Not so you Frank. can't use Frank. Frank's can't already, Frank. Frank's already Francis. out of this. So Tito, Tim, Timmy, Tommy, Tito, and Francis. <laughs> Francis. And then yeah, Francis and was the brother that they didn't like as much, so they didn't give him a T name. <laughs> and then Colombo, Molina, and Bond. That's right. The only three that matter. <laughs> <laughs> Colombo gives Bond instructions to access the mansion atop the abandoned monastery where Christostos is. We cut to a scene where Bebe, Bebe, why do I keep saying Bebe? I Bebe don't know. is there as well. Her and her coach make mention of leaving Christostos. Bebe is not happy. Bad things are happening. Doesn't really matter. Bebe really has no... Saying the matter. I said Bebe. Yeah, Bebe really has no importance in this whole plot. Um, Bond proceeds to make his way up the cliffside in a very long cliffhanger-esque scene of him climbing, which was done yeah. very well. I, I, I did enjoy it, though. Yeah, but it, it was, did go it was maybe good. a little long. Well, I mean, he's no Ethan Hunt, so... No, he is no Ethan Hunt. <laughs> Bond reaches the top and get, gets kicked off by a guard hard. He falls. He's breaking he his, his, his support lines all the way down. But he's hanging. He's free-hanging and uses his shoelace to create... A something knot. I don't remember the name of it. It's an actual, the actual thing that was invented. Yeah, I can't. I don't remember the name of the knot, but it, essentially, it, it um allows you to kind of like as you go up and you um you, you move foot. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 linked to your feet and your hands. So like yeah. 
your your right hand is connected to your right foot, and then like as you pick up your foot, you then can like almost like slip knot slide it up on the rope, and yeah. then when you step down, it creates tension on the rope and kind of like locks you in place. And then you do it with mm-hmm. the left one, and you just kind of shimmy back and forth, right and left, right and left as you climb up. Yep, I've got the actual knot. Some called. some some European climber in the seventies, I think. So that's why it was seen in this movie. Um, yeah, because that method's not that old. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So, um, during this time, while Bond's shimming his way back up, the guard drops down on a rope and rope and is proceeding to destroy Bond's anchor points. One by so one. So Bond will climb a little bit, fall, climb a little bit more, fall again. But Bond is able to make it up before the guard takes out his very last anchor anchor point and uses a throwing knife to take out the guard, and he falls tumbling to his death. And it is confirmed. Because Columbo, at the very bottom, turns him over, and he he did. He real did. Yeah. yeah and he, the best part is he didn't actually use a throw knife. He used one of his anchors as a oh, throw knife. Oh, it, was it one of his anchors? Yeah, okay. it I was one of his climbing yeah, anchors because he used knife. as an actual throwing knife. <clears throat> because you, you kind of see him when Bond does it. He's got like th- three or four of his anchors clipped all together, and that's what he unclips to throw. And mm-hmm. then when the when Columbo rolls the guy over, you can like see it like sticking out of his chest. I completely missed that one. Yeah, there are some um, things I catch that I, and there's some <laughs> things I don't. Uh, you don't, you, you don't catch the bulging, bulging German penis, but you caught the. <laughs> Nor do I listen to parents talking <laughs> in other right. random rooms. Apparently, we each have our priorities, Jordan. Apparently. <laughs> um, so Bond makes it, makes it, makes it to the top. And lowers down a basket to pick up Columbo and friends. Another guard hears the basket and goes to investigate. Melina shoots him with a crossbow as the basket reaches the top. But he's not dead. They tie him up and patch up his wounds and knock him out before walking out of the room. Look how they patch up his wounds and then knock him out. Hindsight being twenty twenty, this could have been Frank as well. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, that probably could have been. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Russian general is arriving. Bon grabs bb's coach who happens to be walking by during this time she offers to help them because they are leaving christostos they're tired of his criminal mastermind bullshit and they need help getting out too they need help getting out um she leads them to sleeping guards which they promptly capture uh bb meanwhile goes to christostos christostos and asks where her coach is they're leaving blah 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 she's promptly slapped and that's all we hear from her for the rest of the movie. Pretty much until the end. Um, yeah. Uh, Columbo and Bond proceed to fight, to sneak up on two guards, starting a fight, which is overheard by Eric and Christosos in the office below. Mm-hmm. Bond proceeds to fall directly in the, into their office through the stained glass window, and the final fight with Eric begins. During this fight, there's some back and forth. Uh, there's some back and forth, punches being thrown left and right. Christosos proceeds to grab the ATAC and leave the room. This distracts Eric as he picks up, as Eric is pick, Hulk picking up this massive block of stone. Bond uses this opportunity to push him out the window and he falls off the cliff mm-hmm. to which, his death. I, I'm surprised being a KGB agent, which is specified somewhere in this before the fight scene, you would have thought yeah. he'd be a little bit better fighter. I yeah, mean, it was a very he's short not, fight scene. Yeah, I mean, his his skills weren't really put to work there. Um, that is one thing I'll say in this movie. There are a lot less, like, 
big fights. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like odd job fight or like Jaws fight or anything like that, which I'm actually okay with. Just yeah, I was fine the, with too. Yeah, the story works so well and the characters are so fleshed out. You know, it 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 works. In, in a way that I really enjoy. Well, and even some of the action scenes, like you said, they not, there weren't big henchmen, but the little henchmen, you know, like Frank in the car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And then the last time we see Eric or the, the KGB agent with the motorcycle chase scene and all that stuff, they're put in there in a way that works without having to have a super powerful henchman. Yeah. Um, they also seem smarter, too. Yeah. So like it's, the it's henchmen nice are actually smart, even though they all. I mean, Bond will always get the upper hand because he's Bond. The henchmen do seem less like fodder and mm-hmm. more like a legitimate threat, um, which I which I really like. Um, but the other thing is, while this fight's going on, whoever the Russian M is, that's my notes always refer to him as Russian M, is also mm-hmm. en route to their location. Yes, yes. The Russian generals en route to their location. So Christostos sneaks out with the ATAC, you know, like I said, allowing Bond to push Eric out of the window, killing him. But as Christostos is running up to the helicopter pad to meet the Russian general, Colombo initiates a fight with Christostos. Which I like um, their fight scene. Yes, yeah, where Christostos is just basically trying to run from him and Colombo just keeps like tackling him and fighting mm-hmm. him and pushing him around. Uh, Bond, meanwhile, now being done with with Eric, pursues and joins the fight as well. Bond catches up with Christosos as the Russian arrives, and, and he's just uh, Melina shows up too. Melina shows up as well. Yep, um, as the Russian re- resides, and Bond takes back the takes back the attack, but Melina wants to kill uh, Christosos for his his actions to complete her vengeance. Bond tries to talk her out of it, but it's like, you know, if you want to, here you go. But if you do, you might as well dig two graves because it's going to it's going to it's going to bother you. It's going to affect you as well. Yep. But that decision's swiftly taken out of her hands by good old Columbo, yep. who proceeds to throw a knife into Christos Christos's back as Christos pulls a knife to take out Bond and Molina, killing Christos. After this point, Bond turns around and there's the Russian general reaching out to take the ATAC. Mm-hmm. Bond instead takes it and heave hose it off the cliff. We watch it shatter on the rocks below. The general just looks at Bond, goes, or Bond says, you know, now, 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 now no you don't have it. it. No one has it. Yeah. The general looks at Bond and was like, respect, homie, and leaves. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He he doesn't seem to be as happy like that or like kind of. Yeah, yeah but, but he's, he's, kinda like, he's just kind of like. All right, it's like I wanted it, but at least you guys yeah. don't have any more. So I guess that's. Uh, yeah, he well just kind of salutes him and leaves. Yeah, well played. <laughs> Bond and Melina go on to check on Columbia Colombo, who seems to be bonding with BB and her coach. Um. Bond, yeah, because. Bond, he mentioned something about her having a new sponsor, and Columbo yes. just kind of winks. Yep, yep. Uh, forgot to mention, I'm a big shout out to Columbo for being a fan of pistachios. The man's always eating pistachios in this movie. Yes, which came in handy um, 
in the warehouse scene when they're like mm-hmm. doing their gun battle, he threw a whole bunch of shells down and you could hear the men when they came around the corner, they stepped on some of the shells and that's how he could tell where they were that's at. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I Once you mentioned the pistachios, I, I thought about that. Um, then Jordan finishes out. Good, sir. So after all that, we pretty much get back to the boat um, where Melina and Bond are talking, and they're, if I'm not mistaken, they're just wearing, like, robes and stuff. They're just kind of, like, chilling around the boat. Kind of kind of making out a little bit. Being yeah, little just kind of, you know, yeah. you know, vacationing, so to speak. Um, and then I think at this, also at the same time, they're trying to, or Q and them are trying to get a line to 007 so they can call them and say, hey, you know, catch us up on everything, congratulations, get back here, the normal that they always try and do at the end of the movie. Um, and this is the part where I recall the, uh, movie title being used because as they're sitting there kind of making out and this and that, they drop their robes and she says for your eyes only, because they talk about going, um, moonlight, like skinny dipping essentially, because they're on the boat out in the water and, and all that stuff, uh, back where the underwater temple that she was working at the, the site uh-huh. and they finally get a hold of bond through i guess it was his watch i think yeah, because bond watch. takes his watch off and leaves it with a parrot and so the parrot starts talking which i thought was kind of funny because they're like oh we got bond they're like all right we're sending you to the prime minister and that's where i started getting confused because i always thought one of the yeah. other guys was the prime minister until this part and then it was like they transitioned to uh, this woman in a kitchen who opens up her Which cabinet is, and she has her own red phone just in her cabinet yeah. chilling. Well, it's Margaret, Margaret Thatcher, the prime minister of England at the time. Okay. That's who, it, that's who it's supposed to be is Margaret Thatcher. Okay. Well, that makes more sense now. <laughs> Why she has a red phone in her cabinet. I don't know. I really wish they would change the color on these phones. So she's just sitting there talking to bond and, you know, saying, you know, I'm, I'm so happy you're just, you know, I, I you know, would like to congratulate you, you know, actually in person on the phone and this and that. Meanwhile, the parrot's just going, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And like, oh, I wish we could repay you. How about a little kiss? How about a little kiss? <laughs> they're like, what? I think we're losing them. And they're pulling the cables and like, I'm sorry, Prime Minister, we're losing Bond. Bond, what are you Bond. doing? Meanwhile, Bond and uh, Melina are out swimming in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it pretty much transitions to the credits, which... We cut the credits. This is where... I think the Bond song does justice. Yes. Um, when the credits Spe- start rolling. Especially with the underwater shots. Yes. That yeah. are done when, with the credits. When they start rolling these credits, that is what this song, this song was designed for. Um, mm-hmm. Not saying it wasn't a good Bond song. It was a really good song. I enjoyed it. I just thought it did a better job. It was more powerful at this point of the movie than it was at the intro of the movie. When this credits start rolling and they're doing, like you said, the underwater scenes, which were really neat silhouettes because you could see um, <clears throat> the temple outline and them swimming. But because the moonlight was coming through the water, uh, they were all like silhouettes. And then with the credits rolling over top of them and this song playing, it was perfect. Yeah. It was a really good edit, really good outro. Uh, huge fan of how they did this. And that is where the song did justice. Yep. Um, but with that, <clears throat> you get through the credits. The credits are rolling. We get to the end, and we get James Bond will return in Octopussy, which is the next movie. Correct? They're not going to like throw me off that, here, right? Not a switch up anymore, okay. man. They're they're all good from here. Okay, then we're good. Uh, so yeah. that's our next movie, and that's credits. And that is also the sexiest of the Bond titles, arguably. Probably, <laughs> the yeah. Of the Bond titles. 
Um, so with that, that is the end of the movie. I really enjoyed this one. I really Man, did. I, I, I thought really it was good. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, so much better than the last one. This is, like you said, high, high after a low, low. Um, really good all around. I love the the characters. Like you said, the henchmen weren't powerful, but they didn't need to be because they were put into the movie just right, just enough. Yeah. Um, even the enemies, you know, how you thought Columbo was the enemy, then you realize that Kristoff was the enemy and not the friend. Mm-hmm. Um beginning to end and the spy craft the little bits of spy craft that were thrown in this hold to the roots of a typical bond spy movie and that's what i love i love seeing that spy craft in the movies um, it's a it's a classic case man of of simple sometimes the simplest things are the best things i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a well-written story i mean it's it's bond so it's it's all going to be surrounding a MacGuffin, which in this movie happens to be the atac um <clears throat> so but that's such a small part it's really more about the characters i mean you've got you've got bond who seems to be a much more deeper bond in this movie than we've seen him in the last couple um you've got melina and him and melina's relationship which is great you know melina yes. being able to carry her own as well much like um agent uh, agent uh, x triple uh, triple x did and and spy who loved me uh you've got christostos who's an awesome bad guy you know, especially starting as that, you know, manipulating things from behind the scenes type role. You've mm-hmm. got Columbo, who plays a similar role to uh, uh, Drake, Draco, Drake, Draco, Draco did in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. You know, that side yeah. character that you meet that becomes your, your go-to guy, you know, almost like a Felix type character. Yes. Yeah. You I know? forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this movie actually shares several similarities with On Her Majesty's Secret Service um, in, 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 a, in a good way. Yes. And it's just it's just well written, it's well fleshed out, it's paced incredibly well, the acting's good. I I really enjoyed this movie, man. I, I really did. I did too. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that it um well I was gonna say when we get to our actual reviews or our listing here in a little bit, uh, I Well do I've, you wanna I mean, since we're on this roll, did you wanna do that now and just do trivia time after we do the ranking? No, let's let's keep to our normal. Let's let's do trivia, okay, then we'll get back cool. to the ranking. I mean, because we always talk about the end of the movie, and then we do our That's trivia, and then we do our actual rating system, and then we usually go into a little bit more with the rating system. <laughs> uh, but no, overall, it was a great movie. That was our credit. So now, it is trivia time. <gasps> it's trivia, trivia, trivia time. Da-da-da. First piece of trivia, ladies and gentlemen. John Glenn, the director, I believe I've already mentioned this, was also editor and second unit director on several Bond movies before. Um, Next trivia fact, Moonraker, the last film in 1979, was a huge financial success, but many critics commented on the film franchise had become too focused on wild gadgets, outlandish plots, over-the-top villains, and screwball comedy. As a result, producers decided to return to the more realistic storyline in this movie, using From Russia With Love and On Her Majesty's Secret Service as as models. So that's why there's a lot of similarity to, the, to those films. Uh, therefore, this movie contains many story elements similar to those. The ATAC, similar, mm-hmm. similar to the Lector. Um, Kriegler, similar to Grant. Columbo, similar to uh, Kieran Bay. And like all the skiing stuff that's in her, On Her Majesty's Secret Service as well. Um, to enter the identigraph booth, Q enters a five-digit code. 
Those five digits were the first five notes to the chorus of Nobody Does It Better, the theme to The Spy Who Loved Me. In I response, didn't know that. James Bond is the one who, enter, who enters the final two notes, if you remember on that keypad. Oh, I did notice him like reach around and hit the last two buttons, but I yeah. didn't realize it was the song. Yeah, it's the first five notes of Nobody Does It Better. <clears throat> um, the epitaph in the opening scene of Bond's wife's tombstone is, We have all the time in the world which were his last words to her. That's right. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I read that, but I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the opening sequences, Jane Bond visits his wife's grave, as we know, Mm -hmm. um, at Stokes Pogues Church, which is adjacent adjacent to Gert Frobe's golf course from Goldfinger. Um, This scene was written when Sir Roger Moore was considering retirement from the franchise to provide story continuity between the different Bond actors. Ironically, this scene has absolutely nothing to do with the plot of the movie that follows it, leaving it more connected to the earlier movies than the one it opens, Mm -hmm. as we talked about in the beginning. Sir Roger Moore's vertigo made the rock face climax scene especially hard to do. Moore said that it took it Moore said that he took a small amount of Valium and drank a tall glass of beer before some of the scary climbing sequences, <laughs> which helped him through the close up shots. Stuntman Rick Sylvester performed most of the work. Moore had on, Moore only had to dangle over a four foot drop while Sylvester dangled over a twenty foot drop. I'm not a fan of heights, so I can only imagine. <laughs> You'd be drinking like Roger Moore. You'd be like, "Listen, <laughs> just blindfold me to do this without there. help." <laughs> you can CGI the blindfold off my face, right? Yeah. Uh, Cassandra Harris. Oh, Countess Liss was her name. Okay. Uh, Cassandra Harris was at the time of who p- played the Countess. At the time of filming, she was married to none other than future Bond actor Pierce Brosnan. Oh. Five years later, Bond was offered the role because he met the Bond producers through his wife. Um, he oh, was offered cool. the role for 1987's In Living Day, the, the Living Daylights, but was unable to do it due to his Remington, Remington Steel contract. Uh, Director John Glenn stated that there had been several discussions about bringing Jaws back for a third time, but eventually the idea was directed rejected as they felt he did not fit the movie's more serious tone and i agree i agree i it would have been hard to watch this movie with jaws yeah. back in again. as much as i love jaws this movie would have been different had it had because jaws is a very campy villain it is yeah. yeah as much as we love him he's very campy um so he used up all of his tricks yeah uh julian glover who played christostos was also a candidate to play john james bond in the 60s and was on the short list as a replacement for Sean Connery and George Lazenby before the role went to Roger Moore. So there's a reoccurring theme of the bad guys in the Bond movies being considered for... For actual Bond. For actual Bond in the past. Which, honestly, is, I mean, kind of makes them good villains. You know, It does, yeah. Uh, let's see. Rather unique for the franchise, Bond and Melina, the leading Bond girl, do not share a love scene, love scene until the closing credits. First time that's happened. That's true. And actually, mm-hmm. yeah, because there weren't many scenes at all. No, there was no they no lovemaking scenes between the two of them at all. No, no, but I just meant like until in general. I mean, yeah, there was the one with the Countess, and that was it. Yeah. Um, this movie was originally. 
intended to intended to I cannot speak today, man. It was originally <laughs> intended to introduce a younger a new younger actor to play James Bond, hence the intro um the intro sequence. Uh namely the actor that was supposed that was intended to be played it was intended for was Timothy Dalton, who was approached to take over Bond in this movie but declined as he disliked the direction the franchise was taking at the time. Until three movies from now, when he becomes Bond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I believe that's it. That's trivia? Yeah, that's, that's trivia time. All right, so now we can get into our reviews. Yes. Um, let's start with the movie ranking. Where are we at? The list as of now is as follows number one from russia with love number two you only live twice number three the spy who loved me number four thunderball number five on her majesty's secret service number six goldfinger number seven dr no number eight the man with the golden gun number nine moonraker number 10 live and let die and number 11 diamonds are forever it's too many movies. We're only halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, we both agree this movie was really, really good. So that means it's probably going to be in the top half of this list. Absolutely. The question I mean, is where? Where do we put this movie? I um, mean, With the similarities it has to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think it's better than that movie. That was five, right? That was five, yeah. Okay. Roger Moore, yeah, Roger Moore's a better actor. Actor, I think the story overall was better. You know, you still had that romantic vibe for it, but like the bad guy, the I mean, it was it was just a better overall movie. It so was I think uh, as far as the story goes, and, and the movie as far as um, everything. I, I'd agree with you there, because yeah. um, I know we we try to rank these movies not just by our personal list, but like the overall. You know, does it have yeah. a good plot? Does it have a good villain? Does it have a mm-hmm. good bond? Does it have, you know gadgets the action the story the spycraft like what makes it the bond movie and although there was a lot of that in that movie uh on her majesty's secret service i do agree that this one just a little bit more powerful than that overall so we agree that it's better than on her majesty's secret service um so is it better than thunderball see now i like is it better than your precious number two (laughs) hey leave number two out of this number two was a good villain um (laughs) it's a close call. I mean, although it was a really, really good movie, I did enjoy Thunderball a little bit more. I I think that story, um, as far as like the spy craft and the other things was a little bit more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'd have trouble. Like I kind of put it around the same, but I'd have trouble putting it above Thunderball. Uh, I I mean, personally, I really enjoyed this movie and I, I could see it on my personal side being yeah. a little bit above Thunderball. But as far as overall with Thunderball, um the the story, the villain, the um the whole plot of Thunderball I think was a little bit more uh, or a little bit stronger than this movie. Yeah. Um not by much. I think it was a very close call between those two. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely I, I do agree with you on that. Um 
God, I mean, it's so close though, man. I, I, I think I'd probably be leaning a little bit more this being a little bit better than Thunderball. Um, in my opinion. But actually, thinking back on it, I, I do think Thunderball is a better overall movie. I, I, I would yeah. agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So I think that, that puts it, man. So this would be our new number five. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like this is number five. So uh, bumping down the list a little so, bit. Yep. Yeah. So for your eyes only, number five. So the list official ranking as of now is number one from Russia with Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, For Your Eyes Only. Number six, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number seven, Goldfinger. Number eight, Dr. No. Number nine, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 10, Moonraker. Number 11, Live and Let Die. Number 12, Diamonds Are Forever. Just keeps getting longer and longer. It does. <laughs> uh, all right, for the villain list. So, as of now, in our villain list, and this is going to be a hard one, I know, because we, we talked about this pre-show. We currently have number one is Goldfinger and Oddjob from Goldfinger. Uh, number two is still number two from Thunderball. Uh, three is Stromberg and Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me. Four is Spectre General and Red from From Russia With Love. Five is Drax and Jaws from Moonraker. Uh, six is Blowfield from You Only Live Twice. Not to be confused with this Blowfield in this movie, who is not on our list. <laughs> for good reasons. Uh, then you have number seven is Scaramanga and Knickknack from The Man with the Golden Gun. Number eight is Kanaga, Claw, and the Baron from Live and Let Die. Number nine is Dr. No from his own movie. And then number 10 is uh, <laughs> Blowfield, Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. And 11 is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. With that being said, we talked about that. We had this brief discussion before we recorded about um, Chris Christos. I always pronounce it wrong. Christos. <laughs> Christos. Being the villain solely by himself. Yes, we had Locke. Yes, we had Eric, the KGB, um, who was really just the Russians agent there trying to help get the thing from Kassasas. Uh Even though the two of them were sidekicks and the henchmen in this, they really didn't matter to the point of Kristasas, uh ranking. Uh, yeah, I no, feel they, like they, they, weren't, they weren't bad. They were good, but they were just there. Yeah, they were just there. Whether we had them or not, it would not change Christos's, um by himself. And we were taking that into consideration as far as Christos's ranking. Um, so even though like in the other uh, villains where you have Drax and Jaws or Goldfinger and Oddjob or Stromberg and Jaws and so on, um, the henchmen are going to be there, but I don't think they really make or break his ranking. So with that being said, Kristoff on his own is still, a, in my opinion, a really good villain. Oh yeah, um, he's he's clever. I mean, he plays Bond against his enemies um, by you know pretending to be the good guy. I mean, he pretty much gets um, Luigi to you know consider him a friend so that he you know can get Bond on his side. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he obviously plays Bond against Columbo and all that. And then once you see, and granted props to the actor too, but once you realize that Christosos is actually the enemy and not the friend, it's a whole different Christosos from then on out. Yeah. So, I mean, he's clever. The whole tone of him changed. Yes, everything. But I mean, he's smart. He's clever. Uh, he's not afraid to go after Bond. Uh, I mean, he gets close to Bond. I mean, granted his whole epic let's kill him with the sharks thing was not his brightest moment, but, uh, you know, he's not afraid to try and kill Bond. Uh, so I like him as a villain for all these different reasons. Um, so where do we put him? I mean, I feel just like the movie, it should be in the, the higher part of this ranking system. I mean, if we're going to start with, let's say like the top five, you have Drax and Jaws from Moonraker at number five. He's better than Jackson. Yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, I wasn't a fan of that Jaws as much as the other Jaws, but I definitely put him above Drax because although Drax was a good villain as well, mm-hmm. Christosos was a good, well-rounded villain. He wasn't just yeah. like, I'm the bad guy, this is it. He's kind of like, I'm the bad guy and you don't know it. Yeah. Kind yeah. of bad guy. Uh, so, I mean, four is red from Russian with Love. Granted, you have the general there, which doesn't count. And as much as I love Red as the anti-Bond, yes, you will hear it from me now, I still think Christosos is better than Red because he played a better villain. I know, I know. (laughs) You know how much I love Red. I just loved how Red was the anti-Bond. He was the perfect anti-Bond to this point. But Christosos was a better villain. Yeah. Uh, And this is the villain ranking list. Uh, and like I said, if it wasn't for uh, Red, the general would not even be on this list. She would be at the bottom. Um, <laughs> but that is the power of the henchmen, hence Oddjob and Jaws and Knickknack, the ones who kind of up the villains and, the and game, help them yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I, I honestly can see him at four. Um, I have trouble putting him above Stromberg and Jaws, though, because Stromberg was a good villain, and that Jaws was a good henchman, and their combo is pretty high on the list as far as his power I, output. I agree with you, man. I think that's I think that's fair. I, I think them being at number four is a good mm-hmm. a good or uh, Christosos being at number four is a good good spot. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, so I mean that'll be the new list then. That's where he's going. I mean you got Goldfinger and Oddjob at one. Number two at number two, Stromberg and Jaws um, at number three, Christosos and what do we, we call him? Eric and Locke at three. Yep. Or four, sorry, at four. At four, yeah. Um, five is now the Spectre General in red. <sighs> so sad they went down the list. And then we have uh, Drax and Jaws from Moonraker at six, um, Blowfield from You Only Live Twice at seven, Stromberg, or Stromberg, Scaramanga and Knickknack uh, at eight. Kanaga, Claw, and Baron at 9. Dr. No at 10. Blowfield, Wit, and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever at 11. And then Blowfield on Her Majesty's Secret Service at number 12. And then not on the list list is the Blowfield that got thrown down a chimney in the beginning of this movie. Because he doesn't belong on this list. <laughs> he does not count. No. <laughs> so that, that's it. I mean, that's our that's, that's our villain list. That's, uh, that's getting harder. I'm not going to lie. That is really getting hard. It's getting tough. I'm very, very curious to see, because I'm not going to do a personal villains list, but I'm doing a personal movie list. 
So when this is all said and done, I'm very curious to see where our personal lists stack up against our combined. Combined list, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The official um, Friday Films list, I'm curious and to see. Doing any kind of ranking system is really hard because... Oh, it's tough. <laughs> well, it's hard <laughs> it's to tough. look at a personal, like what you enjoy watching, the things that you like, versus a... What's a Go, going off better, the list. Yeah. yeah, overall yeah. film. Yeah, because when we we try to do our ranking, and granted, we, we don't really have it written out anywhere or, or spelled out anywhere, but we try to do an overall ranking when it comes to our villains and our movies by key features, mm-hmm. which I know I've mentioned before. You know, like was the Bond good? Yes or no? Was the villain good? Was the story good? Was there too much or not enough gadgets? Action. Um, spycraft love story whatever we try to take all that into combination when we do our reviews uh or our ranking system of the reviews mm-hmm. very hard to do when we might enjoy a movie personally better than where we it, it should be ranked off of all of that same thing with villains i love red but he's not really a villain yeah. he's an anti-bond henchman <laughs> but he did such a great job on the villain list he deserves to be up there because yeah. of all that yeah. Um, so it is hard to do these and it's only going to get harder, which is so sad. It's very, very sad. But that being said, that's it. I mean, that's, 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 that's our movie. That is the end for your eyes only. I'm such a bad singer. Or for your ears only, depending on which one you're, you're paying attention for to. your ears only. All right. Well, with that said, Eric, do you have any more input on this movie? I it's just a good ride, man. It I, was. This is so much fun. It was. <laughs> every time, every every at the end of every week, I'm always like, I just want to watch the next one now. I, yeah, I know. I know. Same <laughs> way. I am like, too. I'm just like, no. can I just put the next one in? Like, I don't. Can we just skip this? Just skip the reviews. Just keep watching them all. <laughs> For you all at home or wherever you're at listening, if you're if you're watching ahead, that's cool. Just don't don't tell us about them. Don't ruin the movies for us. We've still got so many more to do. Don't ruin it for Jordan. <laughs> no, like I said, I've seen the Brosmans on easy. So once we get to the tail end, it's all going to be rewatch with open eyes is what it is. Yeah. And I hope that anyone who listens to these reviews also goes back and watches them with a different perspective. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that is how you can really enjoy a movie is looking at it in a different way. Whether you like it or you don't like it, you go back with different eyes and give it a different chance. And even if you still don't like it or really like it, you see it differently, which is nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my personal list has already changed to change from what it was when I was younger yeah. just by redoing these. Like my list is, is different than what it would have been 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's 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 funny when you look at it that way. But uh yep. all right, with that, Eric, do you want to do our outro? Absolutely good, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of Friday Films Bond in Review, featuring for your eyes only. It's slightly getting better. I know. It's a good song. Slightly, it's slightly a good song better, sung by a bad singer, me. <laughs> 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 Oh, joining us for For Your Eyes Only, featuring Roger Moore. Next week, Octopussy, also featuring Roger Moore, also directed by John Glenn. Um, if you liked what you listened to on this episode, don't forget you can follow us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hoodoo Presents. Best way to get a hold of us, best way to share what your current ranking list is as of now. 
Whether or not you thought Christos, Christosos, see, you screwed me up. <laughs> I said it right the whole review. And I screwed <laughs> Until up the now. Very end. <laughs> Christos. <laughs> Let us know what you're, Christos, Jesus Christos. Um, let us know what your what your villain ranking list is as of now. Um, and also just pop in and say what's up. So mm-hmm. with that said, back to you, good sir. All right. So hopefully you all join us next week with our next Bond interview. Don't go anywhere because we're not. I mean, obviously you can wait till next week to listen to the next episode. But we've still got what? You said halfway. So we still got like 12, 12 movies more. not counting Bond 25, No Time to Die. That's right. So That's technically right. 13 movies left. So we're only halfway and we're going strong. There's n- no end in sight yet. <laughs> we put it that way. So. We haven't seen the light at the end of the tunnel. We haven't seen a light in, in months. <laughs> <laughs> there is an end to this tunnel, we hope. Um, so with all that, uh, we hope to get you guys next week. And again, this is Eric and Jordan. And let the credits roll. <laughs>